0: Welcome to Saturday Story Circle, always on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. Chapter 17. Are you ever going to explain yourself? The flying squirrel asked at last. Or are you waiting to see if I burst? The pair of masked heroes had slipped out of the Don jail just moments ahead of a large delegation of bright young men in crisp blue uniforms. Their route through the maze of prison corridors was well known to both of them, though not another soul living could have told you how they seemed to get in and out as they pleased. A short distance from the Don was a derelict garage at the end of the seldom-used laneway. The building had all the appearance of having been abandoned by its owners like so many other businesses that had collapsed under the weight of hard times. Those who passed the boarded windows and rusted doors every day would have been surprised indeed to learn the garage was, in fact, the property of a holding company that was, in turn, owned by one of the city's wealthiest men. What Fenwick Industries wanted with such a property one could only imagine, though few would have guessed August Fenwick himself to be aware of the building's existence. At that very moment within the dimly lit garage, a bright red domino mask was removed, and the mystery man known as the Red Panda assumed his own mask, that of Fenwick himself. He hurriedly stowed his mask and gauntlets in one of the many secret compartments in the rear of his limousine as he waited for his partner to change. The Don jail was hardly centrally located, and there was a dearth of buildings to swing down from. There had been a need for a secure location for their car and equipment when they paid a call. Today being a rare daylight visit, the need for secrecy had been even greater." It was fair to say that a limousine in this neighborhood would attract even more attention than the thundering black roadster the press had dubbed the Mobile. Kit Baxter watched her mentor as he ran his hand across his brow. She couldn't quite tell if he was still exhausted or just trying very hard not to look as she pulled her chauffeur uniform on over her catsuit. There was nothing to see, of course, but she still always watched to see if he'd sneak a peek. She didn't know whether to feel flattered or insulted that he never did. She opened the front door and slid in quickly, stowing her cowl, goggles, and belt as she did. As the engine roared to life, the dilapidated-looking main doors of the garage swung open of their own accord, and the limousine rolled quickly down the laneway. They drove in silence for a minute or more until Kit Baxter could stand it no longer. "'Well?' she said at last. She heard a sigh from the back seat. It was like nothing I've ever encountered before, he said. It was a minefield. She pursed her lips. I don't understand. What was like a minefield? That man's mind was. His voice was grave. You were right to think it sounded ridiculous. Eight guards, each with an utterly identical alibi. No one would invent such an absurdity for themselves. So what then, she said. Wait, are you saying that somebody else invented it for them? They're not lying at all? No, those men aren't lying, Fenwick said, the color beginning to return to his face. Each of them is relating the events surrounding the robbery of the Empire Bank just exactly as he remembers it. That's why they've been so resistant to interrogation. They're trying to cooperate. They're telling the police everything they know. But everything they know is a lie, Kit said, slapping the wheel with grudging respect for their adversary. Man, that is slick. Yes and no, he said. Yes and no. "'I see what you're saying. If somebody could work that kind of trick, all they'd have to do is come up with eight different sets of memories, and no one ever would have been the wiser.' "'Yes,' his fist clenched involuntarily. "'I was blinded by that. I thought it was a blunder. I thought perhaps they'd been in a hurry, perhaps they hadn't expected to encounter more than one guard. It can take time to properly suggest an alternate set of memories, even to cover a short span of time.' "'What are we talking about here?' Kit said, her brow furrowed. "'Hypnosis?' "'Yes,' he nodded, "'and no simple mesmerism, either. "'That was my mistake. "'I assumed whoever was playing a hypnotic game "'that I was better than they were. "'I was wrong, and it almost cost that man his life or his sanity. Bosh, she said, "'it's tough to keep the car on the road "'when I have to make with the Socratic method. "'What happened in that cell?' "'It was a trap, Kit. "'As soon as I pressed the spell "'to help the guard recover his true memories... His mind started to collapse around me. Collapse? Basic life function shutting down, consciousness splintering, shattering. I could feel his mind slipping away. The information we needed was there for the taking, had I been content to let him die in the process. It took everything I had to bring him back to repair the damage. But at the first attempt to reach back into his memory, it all began again, and in a completely different way. I don't quite know how to explain myself. I think I'm getting the picture, she said. It was a booby trap. Yes, he said quietly. Yes, and I'll tell you what else. Those false memories weren't merely created through suggestion. They were implanted, if you will, overwritten through mind-to-mind contact. Which means what, she said with a shake of her head? It means that whoever did this was a true master of the mind. There was a moment of silence while they both digested this. In the end, it was Kit who spoke first. "'Boss, let me ask you this,' she began. He looked up and caught her eye in the rearview mirror. "'This booby-trap, is there any chance that it could have hurt you?' Her brow was furrowed slightly and her jaw was set. He could see that she was on to something. "'No,' he replied. "'There was no real danger to my mind.' "'And you say the real memories were there. You could have got them.' Yes, if I hadn't bothered trying to save him, I could probably have retrieved them, given time. And since you had eight guinea pigs there to play with, it's fair to say you'd have gotten the skinny sooner or later if you didn't mind killing a few of them in the process. I'm sure, he said sternly. Then whoever did this must have known you'd never do that, she said with certainty. He thought for a moment and nodded. You're right, Kit. It is the only thing that makes sense. Someone this skilled in mental disciplines could easily have implanted unique memories in each of these men. But in failing to do so, he drew attention to himself. "And left a trail of breadcrumbs only you could follow," she smiled. "And then took it away in dramatic fashion," he reminded her. "There is that." "He's taunting me, isn't he?" Fenwick said, arching an eyebrow. "And how does that usually work out for people?" she purred. "I can only pray that you're right, Kit his eyes focused on the road ahead with steely resolve. If this fiend proves to be too much for us, I can't imagine who else could possibly stand in his way. This is Jack Ward, and on behalf of everyone here at the Mutual Audio Network, we wish you, your family, and all your friends safe harbor during these difficult times.